0: We'll start with Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Powering into lives, I think is what the title of the sermon is. Uh, vote for those stash ministries. Uh, we're going to present some certificates and have a little fun the Sunday after Valentine's Day on who wins it and da-da-da-da-da and who got the The best and the most creative and the try harder and things of that nature. (laughs) A.K.A. you shouldn't have. Okay. Nice try. Okay. Uh, Stephanie, we've raised about $300 for camp so far. A little over $300. So vote and that's enough for three kids and we need a little more. So vote on some of that, okay? Philippians chapter 2 beginning verse 1. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the glory of God, the Father. Let's pray. Father, it is so good to be in your house. We don't ever want to take that for granted. There are so many that I know that in the nursing homes and hospitals that would love to be here this morning and cannot. Lord, we don't want to take for granted when we get to worship together with brothers and sisters in Christ of like mind and heart. And our prayer is that Jesus will be lifted up and glorified because we do need more of Jesus than ever before. We are sailing through troubled waters in our personal lives, in our church life, in our country's life, and we need Jesus. So Lord, reveal Yourself to us. Make Your Word by the power of Your Holy Spirit come alive. Let it touch our lives. Let it be powerful and effective for growing us as Christians and for doing what You accomplish it to do. And you will receive the glory from our lips and our hearts and our minds as we praise you when we leave this place, saying it was good to be in the house of the Lord today. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to look at powering in lives and a little bit of what that means. In Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, Jesus gives a parable. It's a parable about an unnamed man who becomes the hero. And he's the hero because he helped somebody in need when two others who had a chance passed by on the other side. You know that parable as the good Samaritan. He took the time to power into somebody's lives to, to make a difference in the guy who was hurt to the point of death, uh, hurt without hope. And he made a difference. But you see, all of us have the same problems those two guys who passed by did. We're busy. We have problems in our personal lives, our family lives, our work lives, our social lives. We have priorities and pressures and and goals and and we're trying to get just through another day to make it to the next one because life is filled with pressures, problems, and the like. So how do we do that? How do we look to power into somebody else's life for Jesus? You see... I think we need to remember that we're called to represent Jesus to a lost world. And it requires a certain attitude to do that. It requires certain ways of doing that. And and if we'll let it, God lets those circumstances come into our lives so that He can touch others through us. Submission to Christ means self-preoccupation. If you want to put self-centeredness, put that there. Submission to Christ means self-preoccupation must change to care for other folks, to care for others. And it happens when we allow Christ to be Lord of our life. If we're going to do that, if we're going to power into lives around us and touch the community and see lives put together and see things changed, then there's three things we've got to do. The first one is this. is in verses 1 and 2. We need to magnify God's resources. Magnify God's resources. Notice what they are. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. You see, God gives us resources to help us, first of all, individually. He lists them here. Now, we're going to start off. He says, therefore, if there is any consolation. If. You see, that doesn't really portray in our English mindset what the Greek really says. If to us means, eh, maybe. If to us means it's not set. If means it might not happen. But you see, the little preposition there in the Greek uh, could be translated better. If there's any consolation, and so there is. Or since there is is how we'd say it. So he starts off and he says, since there's any consolation. And some of you say, well, what is consolation? The Greek word consolation means encouragement. Anybody here ever need an encouraging word? A pat on the back. Okay, something to get through some of the problems. He says, since there is encouragement. He's conveying that there is, that God gave us that resource of encouragement. He gives us encouragement. Then he says, if again, since any comfort of love, since any fellowship of the Spirit, since any affection of mercy. The word comfort of love there means somebody that's called alongside you. It means somebody who lines up and is there to help you. It means it's somebody like, in our day, they put their arm around you and they whisper something encouraging in your ear. He says that's what God does for us when we follow Him and we're trying to power into other lives so they'll have the same resources we have. See, what He's really saying is, look, individually you have these three resources. You have this fellowship of the Spirit. You have the comfort of love. You have affection and mercy. The affection of the, the fellowship of the Spirit is this. We're all saved by the blood of Christ. Okay, We're all come to Jesus the same way, repenting of our sins. Okay, We all have the same Spirit residing within us because we are Christians. He said that's the fellowship of the Spirit. We have a lot of differences in the church, but we have that as the same. So there's fellowship. No matter what background we come from, no matter where we're headed in our personal goals, we need to understand there is a fellowship of the Spirit because we belong to Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Nobody say any words, but have you ever been ashamed of a brother or sister? Okay? You don't have to be in Christ. And not only that, you can't deny me. If you're in Christ, you're my brother or sister. Oh, no. Come on, right? I want you to think about that. But you see, that's what he's saying here. He's saying that individually, God has given us these resources. But they're to be lived out corporately. So we have these resources on the inside. But we have some things that show we have those. On the outside. And he lists those. He says, Fulfill my joy by being like minded, having the same mind. Boy, some of y'all are in trouble. <laughs> having the same love, the love of Christ, the love that He expressed, love for others. Being of one accord, it means in unity. Being of one mind means thinking alike. You know, it's sort of like being married forever. Your wife or your husband uh, finishes your sentence. They're thinking the same things. If you're married to Herb Hill, that is a dangerous thing. Last thing I heard Herb say was, you know, telling him about Miss Beth being sick. I won't catch it. You remember telling me that? You got it, buddy. You shared. That's good. But hear me. See, these things are to be lived out on the outside. You see, if one accord means unified for God's plan and God's purpose, we have the same love, the love of Christ. You you see, these three things are lived out in the body of believers to prove that we have the first three resources. That Jesus really does reign in our hearts, inside of us, in our minds. But see, it's a matter of powering into another life with the love of Christ that we do these things, that we show we have the love of Christ. I don't know if you've ever heard of a a musician named Philip Bliss. He's from way back. Philip Bliss uh, uh, used to, back when they had all the singing schools, he'd go to the singing schools. We had some of those years ago up here. And he had learned enough to be able to teach a little bit, but he was limited in his musical knowledge. He needed a real music education. And Since he was raised in such severe poverty and his job didn't pay much, and and, he, did I turn that on? Would help, wouldn't it? Thank you, Elizabeth. He was raised in that poverty, he could not afford to go to any kind of training. And as he was sobbing and praying in the living room of his in laws one evening, the grandmother heard him. And she felt that he was called of God to do the music. And so the next day, she brought out this big sock. She'd been putting money in it for years. In the 1860s, $30 was an enormous sum of money. And she counted out $30 to him and sent him to school. It changed his life. He not only became a music teacher, uh, he led various evangelistic revivals, and he began to write hymns. Now, he died, had his life cut short in a terrible train accident, but let me tell you some of the things he wrote. Do you remember him, Almost Persuaded? How about when we sing, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? How about, it is well with my soul? How about, I will sing of my Redeemer. Jesus loves even me. The light of the world is Jesus. Whosoever will and wonderful words of life are just a few of the ones that he did. He blessed the world with the gift, but you understand, without somebody believing in Him, without somebody pouring into His life, powering into His life and helping Him, we would have been robbed of all those hymns. You see, we have to take the most of God's resources and not just spend it on ourselves personally, but pour it into others for the kingdom glory. Not only that, the second thing, not only do we make the most of God's resources, we're supposed to make others important Look at verses 3 and 4. Make others important. He says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Make others important. See, there's a proper way to do kingdom work. That's verse 4. The proper way. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, let's be honest. Our own interest sort of grab hold of us very easily. Right? Okay, have y'all gone to sleep on me already? Say amen. Amen. Snore real loud. Do something. Listen to me. It's okay to have your own interests as long as, they don't as long as they do not interfere with God's will and God's purpose for your life. When that happens, our own interests become sin. In other words, we need to take note that the others' interests are not just important. They're supposed to be just as important to us as our own interests. That's what he said. He said, let each of you look out not for his own interest only, but also for the interest of others. And look means to really look. Jesus said it this way. In Matthew 22, he gave us that, the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The proper way to accomplish kingdom work is to realize that our interests are supposed to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that this person's interests are just as important as my interest, And that person's interests are just as important as the interests of us too. Because we're one and the same in the body of Jesus Christ. See, we're not just supposed to believe that. We're supposed to practice that. Here's the way it works out practically. Somebody's hurting in the church. Do you hurt also? Pray for them, call them, check on them, do something. Somebody has a bad report from the doctor. Does that bother you? Do you get on your knees and shed some tears about that fellow Christian? Somebody's having family problems or economic problems. And and are you there ready to uplift them and whisper encouraging words in them and share that comfort of love and that fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Let them know that you too have been through that and God is still faithful and He'll help them just as He helped you because you're just as important. The second thing, not only is there a proper way to do it, humility is the key. Humility is the key. Verse 3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. You know, there's a test here. Are we guilty of selfish ambition and conceit or lowliness of mind? It shows up. Do we always want to be seen or heard? Do we want our words to count as something above others? Do we want to be the center of attention? Do we desire praise and compliments? And if we don't get it, does it hurt our feelings? See, if I have little room or no room for others' interest in my heart, then I'm guilty of self-centeredness, self-absorption. It comes out, and who, do you, who and what do you pray for? See, if one of our kids are sick, and we pray hard. What about when it's somebody else's kid in the church that's sick? You should pray just as hard. Thank you, Brother James. Here's what I'm really trying to say, and I think this is what the Scripture says. All of us are important to God. Did you hear that? Puff your chest out and say, I'm important to God. You didn't say it. You didn't believe it. I'm important to God. You were important enough that he sent Jesus to die for your sin and my sin. How much more important can you be than the precious, well-loved Son of God gave his life that you might have life? You're important to God. You see so many of you pour into other lives and power into other lives, you give of your time. You give of your tithe, you give of your talent, all in worship. And I'm so proud of you for doing that. And God takes notice of everything you do. But all of us need to make sure that we don't fall into that trap of self-importance. Well, I've been a member here this many years, I've given this much money. I've given so much of my life. Nobody can thank you enough for that. The trap is this. Because I've been here this long, I know how this church is supposed to be. This is my church and it better go my way. I've always taught that class. We've always sang that kind of music. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that we're removing anybody. I'm not saying we're changing music styles. Everybody hear that? Hello, I sort of like the music a lot, okay, but I want you to hear me. I'm open to whatever it takes to reach more people. Let's get real personal. Eventually, I hope we start having some screens up here for people to read. I've gotten a lot of negative feedback on that, and I can't figure out why. Not close. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, there you go. That'd be that'd be good. All it is there is to help us reach folks who are used to using technology. The younger generation wants to worship, and they want to worship with some technology, so that we don't look like we're still back in the 1960s. Now, if you like the 1960s, good for you. Okay, but I got news for you: the good old days were never as good as we remember them, and the days today are never as bad as we think they are because Jesus is still Lord. Now, did I step on your toes? I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I guess I could quit lying up here. But but hear me. I'm not saying we're going to be, you know, some mega church that just goes crazy all the time when we stand up and sing every chorus, you know. That is not what I'm saying. When we had the screen years ago and we put it in the baptistry when it was dry, the most comments I got were all from my senior citizens that for the first time in years they could see the words and know to sing the words out of the hymnal. I could, but I'm not. I beat that horse to death. See, Peter said it this way. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, I am so proud for all that you do in the church. I really am. We could not do church without the people who give so much of their lives. God bless you for that. You have a crown waiting for you in heaven. But none of us, from me to anybody else, is so important that God can't plug us somewhere else or plug somebody in our place. None of us. See, I'm going to say this. You should not be here just because I'm the pastor. You should be here because this is where God has for you. Because there's coming a day, I don't know when, when God either retires me or says, get out. Or the church says, you've been here long enough, get out. And I'm well aware of that. See, it sort of works like this. This story was in the Los Angeles Times. There were 600 lawyer hopefuls taking the state bar exam and passing it in the convention center. You got the picture. 600 of these guys in one place. That's what I think of lawyers. I'll probably be preaching to somebody that is one. 600 of them. A 50-year-old man that was changing careers was taking the bar exam. He fell over out of his chair having a heart attack. Only two guys quit taking the exam to help him. They helped him and kept him alive for 40 minutes till the paramedics got there, and then they went back to taking their exam. Well, they ran out of time to finish it. There's just barely enough time. They requested more time, and the guy who was the, the proctor, the leader there, checking everybody, said, no, the rules say you get no extra time at all. They appealed to the guy who was the head of the state bar exam, the very top executive. He backed the decision, and here's what he say. Here's what he said. If these two want to be lawyers, they should learn a lesson about priorities. Apply that spiritually, please. If we get wrapped up in our own self... How we want things done because we've always been here. We've always done the hardest work. We've always done all these things. And God's trying to tell us, look, there's somebody having a heart attack right there. What's our priority? The heart attack. We did have one in the back one time, by the way. Poor brother Galen got drug back there and a few others. But see, there's so many people that are lost in our neighborhoods. So many people without Jesus that if they had a heart attack died, they're going to bust hell wide open. Those are our priorities. And so if it takes a wild game supper to get them here and hear the gospel, I want to do a wild game supper. If it takes some screens so that they feel like that we at least have a little bit of knowledge on, on that kind of stuff, and believe me, I do not, then I want to do that. Not to change the basic principles of our church, but to reach other people. See, it's called powering into other folks' lives, pouring into lives to reach them. Well, I better hurry up because I'm almost out of time. So we make others important. And the last thing that we do is this. We match Christ's attitude. Boy, that's the hard part. Verses 5-11, through it talks about that. It said, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, not considered robbery to God, to be equal with God, because He was God, but made Himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant. That's the lowest slave in the Greek world. And coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of man, He humbled Himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted Him. Hallelujah. Giving Him a name which is above every name. Amen. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Father. See, Yes. We need to match Christ's attitude. He gave us the example. He came, left all of heaven's glory, took on earthly flesh. He was literally 100% God, 100% man. He became obedient, walking this sinful sod among sinful creatures and died on the cross in my place and your place that we might have eternal life if we repent of our sins and place our faith in Him. He gave the example. You see, he decided God's will, God's work, God's plan were that most important. And he fully followed God. That's the example. And our attitude is to match his. See, not out of pride, but out of the purpose of loving God. What was the end? He became obedient to the point of death. In other words, he said, whatever it takes, Father, that's what I'm going to do. You realize even Jesus struggled with that in the garden of Gethsemane. But he won the victory by submitting. And the exaltation, what was his reward? Every name, every knee bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Found this prayer from St. Francis. Lord, Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, let me sow pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that I might not be so much to seek, to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, and it is paramount that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. In other words, he who would save his life will lose it. He will give it away, will save it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Are you willing to submit to power into other people's lives? Just to pour love, the love of Christ in their lives. To see them changed, to see them made well, to see them in eternity. Maybe you need to come, and that's just a purpose that God has laid on your heart, and you want to surrender to that this morning. Maybe you don't have that purpose. You don't have a purpose because you never surrendered to Jesus Christ publicly as your personal Lord and Savior, and you need to do that today. Maybe rededication because at one time that was what was important to you was affecting others' lives for Jesus, and now you've been so wrapped up in your own problems you can't let them go to serve, and you need to turn them over to Christ. Whatever your decision needs to be, join the church, be saved, recommit, rededicate, surrender. Today's the day to do it. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Miss Beth's going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. Father God, this is your time. It's holy time because you are here. Let us respond to you in a way that would glorify the name of Jesus. You receive all that you're due in our praise. In Christ's name, amen.